right. Welcome to another edition here of Chop Shop Sports. We're talking college football today. This is Brian joined by Jason and we're going to we're going to jump right into it here as we recap week 1 of the college football season. Crazy week, a lot of really good games. And Jason, let's start here with last night's game. Uh Florida State and LSU played in uh, New Orleans there. What are your thoughts there on that one? Is that was uh maybe the craziest finish to to a crazy week 1? Yeah, I, I don't know about the craziest. There were some other pretty crazy finishes, but uh that was uh definitely one that I'm sure had you at the edge of your seat, uh, biting your nails a little bit. Um, yeah. So, honestly, to be fair, LSU should never have been in that game to begin with. Um, but we'll <laughs> dig into that plenty enough in just the next minute here. Uh, you know, that was I, a good one for sure. I, I think, yeah, I think uh, I'm still recovering. I, I, I'm, I, I'm still recovering from that. It was – Florida State, listen, Florida State's been terrible since 2016 when they made the Orange Bowl beating Michigan. Jimbo left, and it's just been a roller coaster since. I don't even want to call it a roller coaster because roller coasters go up at some point. It's sort of, It's been a free fall since then. Um, they finally start to look a little bit more like an average football team, which is all I can ask for. Um, and last night they really dominated both sides of the ball there against LSU. Uh, the defense was getting after it. Jordan Travis had many good throws. Florida State receivers got to learn how to catch a little bit, some of those contested passes. But they really moved the ball kind of at will. They got – I mean, they definitely played better than LSU on special teams, and that certainly helped change the game a lot. But there was no uh, – the call by Mike Norvell, I'm going to jump right to it here in the fourth quarter. You got about a minute and 25 left in the game. or I'm, uh, Around two minutes. Was it around two minutes left in the game maybe? When, it was closer. I think it was like 140 or something. 140. And you got the ball at the one-yard line. It's third and goal. And you don't even need a touchdown. You're up by seven already. You don't need a touchdown. You can you can get stuffed, force some of the clock to run, or you force LSU to call their second timeout and kick a field goal to make it a two-possession game. And for some reason, I don't know why, but Mike Norvell has a tendency to save his worst play call for the end of a football game. Uh, if you were, if Florida State fans remember uh, last year, week two, after they played a great week one, mind you, against Brian Kelly's Notre Dame, where they arguably could have won that game in overtime, they called, I think it was, uh, they only had two safeties deep on a Hail Mary situation against Jacksonville State, and Jacksonville State completed a, a 50-yard bomb and, and beat Florida State. One of the worst defensive, one of the worst defensive play calls I've ever seen. And last night's pitch call to Trayshawn Ward at the one yard line, I think, is the second worst goal line call I've ever seen, behind Seattle in the Super Bowl trying to throw a slant with Marshawn Lynch in your backfield at the one yard line against the Patriots. Uh, I I I couldn't believe it. I, I literally sat there and was speechless for a good three or four minutes. I I don't know what was his thought process behind that. Why would you trust? Why would you even put your running back in that spot to try and catch a pitch? Just hand it off. Give it to your fullback. Give it to your running back. Shoot, do a QB sneak. Honestly, just kneeling it would have been better because you would have either burned clock or forced LSU to uh, burn a timeout. Honestly, I would have rather them just kneel the ball there. And so, I mean, craziness ensued. I, 
I think LSU obviously looked really, really dysfunctional in their first game with Brian Kelly. They're, I mean, kind of the uh, the blemish on the week for the SEC is they almost had a perfect, almost a perfect week one there uh, with LSU being the only loss. Uh, what what do you think there about Brian Kelly and how LSU looked there in his first game? They looked, they had a lot of faults. They looked undisciplined. They looked disorganized. Personnel didn't seem like it was there. Their All-American receiver had six targets. He couldn't catch one. He had his first reception with five and a half left in the entire game. That's uh, Boutte, I think you're referencing Yeah, that's, that's Boutte. Who, who uh, by the way, scrubbed his uh, social media of all LSU things following the game. Oh, no. Yeah, well, that's like a, an hour after the game. An hour after the game, no LSU on his social media. Oh, well, we'll see how that develops. <laughs> Transfer portal is free agency, so – um, but yeah, that was not, that was not a good showing by an SEC team at all. I'm not sure what happened. I, I did a little digging on, on Brian Kelly's you know, time here at LSU so far. And he basically has rocked the boat. He didn't just take the program and, you know, find out what worked, keep good personnel, keep good coaches, any of that stuff. He took it by the reins, fired everybody except one. One coach stayed on on his staff. Hey, by the way, he, while while we're on that, do you know who that one coach is? Uh, the special teams coordinator. Oh, geez. <laughs> he but, he he brought the special teams coordinators. The only guy I should rephrase that. The only guy he brought from Notre Dame was the special teams coordinator. But uh, from the existing LSU staff, he only kept one person on that staff. He fired everybody else. Yeah. Uh, he sized up his top wide receiver, didn't like him. He's <laughs> – there are so many things here that, you know, we can take a closer look at as far as what not to do. But, you know, maybe that will be how he has to approach starting basically his own program started from scratch doing do it during a rebuild maybe that's the way he has to do it i think he's ruffled too many feathers and this could go from bad to worse this could be a very very bad year for lsu this was a slip at at the start and we might see a free fall coming forward LSU will be bottom tier at SEC this year. I agree with you 100%. And I just pulled up their schedule here while you were talking about that because I kind of wanted to look ahead. They didn't look good. Florida State should have won that. And Florida State didn't play perfectly either. Florida State obviously twice, twice had the football inside the 10-yard line to start a drive and didn't score a touchdown and also missed a field goal of their own. Florida State honestly should have won this game by two or three possessions based on how it played out. Um but I'm looking here at LSU's schedule. They have Southern University next week. They should take care of business there. But after that, Mississippi State, you got New Mexico, no biggie. But then you got to go to Auburn. You got to play Tennessee, who looks real good. You got to go to the, the swamp and play Florida. And Florida is a team we're going to touch on here in a minute. But that's another school in the SEC that's on their first, first year with a new head coach. And they looked a lot better than LSU did under Brian Kelly this week. Uh, LSU's got to take on Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, who's ranked. UAB is no slouch. Listen, I know they're not uh, they're not a powerhouse by any means, but UAB is a good football program. And then they finish the year 
uh, in College Station. If I'm looking at this schedule, especially with that loss to Florida State, it's a big blow to the to the the momentum of having a first year head coach. All the excitement is kind of taken out of that that program for the time being. I see three wins on this schedule, and that's concerning because you didn't bring Brian Kelly over to do a full rebuild. You wanted a quick turnaround to get back to the success they saw in those early years with Eddie O. So LSU looks real rough. On the flip side, looking at Florida State there, what did you think from their performance overall? Obviously, it wasn't perfect, but, I mean, from my perspective, I know I'm a little biased, but I think they outplayed LSU in all three aspects throughout that game. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Uh, defense looked sharp. That kid from Albany, that was the transfer. What's his name? Jared, Jared Verse, yeah. He he is sensational. That was That is an incredible pickup. That by far he will be your best defensive player all year, without question, without a doubt. Uh, but yeah, they looked solid. Jordan Travis made some good throws. Uh, they showed some flashes of some of their O line woes, but overall it was a really good performance on that side of the ball. You know, they ran it down their throats. They were able to make some passes. Uh, he was able to be bailed out by some better receptions. Um, but no, both sides of the ball looked pretty solid. Um, wouldn't say they're ready to take on the college football playoff, but no, if no. average is what you're going for, they'll be that. They might have some. They might have some flashes where they'll get some surprise wins. Like I would say, week one is a surprise win, and that's already a good start. You really can't ask much more for that. Now, on the flip side, they almost stumbled there. They almost coughed up the game, and it never should have been the case at all. Like you said, they probably should have won handedly. But they they almost shot themselves in the foot and gave up a game that they should have won by about 10. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's really – that's kind of my concern as a Florida State fan. I can tell you right now that I went from feeling with about two minutes left in that game and they're on the goal line about to take a two-touchdown lead. I'm thinking, this is great. Florida State really took care of the football. They didn't turn the ball over. They they really handled the line of scrimmage really well against a really good front seven at LSU. And they were able to they were able to just stymie that offense for most of the night outside that first drive. And then again there on that last drive. So I, I was really pleased, but now after how those last five minutes played out, I, I'm I'm not as happy as I was going to be because it shouldn't have even gotten to that point. Now you're right. I think Florida state it's progress. That's not saying much because they were terrible before, but it's progress. I think they've gotten themselves back to being a quality team, a a good average team. That's it. I don't think they're anywhere near winning the ACC. I don't think they will sniff a college football playoff, but I think they can get back to a bowl game this year. I think seven to eight wins, especially starting out two and oh, I think seven to eight wins is very achievable. If everything goes their way, everything, I think nine wins is the ceiling. I think six wins is probably your floor if things don't go your way. And I'm just looking real quick without going too deep into it at their schedule here. The ACC, you know, is not very deep. They got Louisville, Boston College. They should win both those games. If you want to show that that you have made real strides in the program, you got to beat Louisville and Boston College. 
Then your next three games after that are Wake Forest, who's ranked in the top 25. NC State, ranked in the top 25, although... Overrated. Overrated. Thank you, uh, ECU, for pointing that out to us. And Clemson. Clemson at home. Now, Florida State had a fourth-quarter lead against Clemson last year. I, I don't think Clemson is as good as they were in 2019 or 2020. I think they're coming back down to earth. But I, I, I'm i looking at this Florida State schedule, and I see about seven wins. I see about seven wins. you got to really make sure that you win these games that you're supposed to win. And that's my concern is I just don't trust them just yet to beat Boston College and Louisville. You should win both. I think they might squeak out one of them, and that's just my pessimism. Um, rolling on here to the next game here is we had such a good weekend. Let's talk your team now. Let, let's go to UF and Utah in the swamp. Uh, Utah coming into this game, they were only favored by, what was it, three points they were favored by against UF? Two and a half was Two the spread. Half. Yeah. So that was uh, – why don't you take the lead on this one? Because this was a fun game, and I, I can't say enough about Anthony Richardson and the way he looked. I got to say, honestly, every new season for Florida football starts with a little anxiety. And until they had their first score, especially since they coughed up the ball early to Utah and gave up a quick score on that end, um, it didn't help with my anxiety at all. That being said, they looked good. They didn't look great. They looked good. They played to their strengths. They played to their quarterback strengths. And thank God our, our quarterback is an absolute freak of nature. Uh, Anthony Richardson, Dark Horse Heisman, you heard it here. Yep. With three touchdowns of his own, he looked like the real deal. He looked like the dual threat that everybody should be. Uh, game planning for it but at the same time we while we looked and did our part on offense defense was was not looking great Uh, we had some we have some good individual performers on that defense but collectively they were not slowing Utah down whatsoever they had their way almost the whole night less one hiccup at the end of the game Albeit, he probably should have had the pick about, I want to say, three or four plays earlier when he hit uh, Ventrell Miller square in the hands at midfield. But he threw the pick at the end of the game. Other than that, they had their way. Cameron Rising looked good. That is a very good quarterback. He is. He looked great. He looked really good. Now, that's, that's definitely a slight on our defense. But at the same time, our defense was not very good. So maybe he looked better than he is. I don't know. All I do know is that the Pac-12 is dead. Any playoff chances they had, gone out the window. There is zero Wrong. chance that any team from the Pac-12 will have any consideration for the playoffs. This this was, as someone that had to watch Willie Taggart's debut where Virginia Tech came into Doe Campbell Stadium and ran him out of the building, and then watch Mike Norvell's debut where Georgia Tech came in and beat him in week one in his debut. This was about as good of a debut for a head coach as you could ask for. I think Florida, this is not this is not the final product. And I think that a lot of Florida fans like yourself are pleased with what this looked like after week one. I, I hate Florida, and I was rooting for a much different performance. I was hoping Utah would come in and do what, really we shouldn't expect from a Pac-12 team, and that's to come into an SEC school and beat them. 
I was hoping that they would do it. This is a great week one and a great start for Billy Napier in that Florida program. It's kind of it's kind of getting fun here because as we're touching on this, we also keep in mind Miami took care of business against Bethune Cookman. And again, the way Miami's been for the last fifteen or twenty years, you can't take those games for granted. So they beat them, I think, seventy to three. Miami looked real good. It's against Bethune Cookman, but they looked good. It's kind of a race between these three Florida schools who have all had a really good start to their year to see who can get back to being on top first, uh, especially with the NIL and and the transfer portal becoming a big thing. If you can get some of that excitement going early, you kind of get a head start on your competition. So uh, this is a really good start for Florida football here um, across the state as this season yeah, starts. And, and I think Anthony Richardson, you talked about it. My goodness, he looked amazing. And if anything – as a Florida fan, you should hate Dan Mullen more today than you did last week for for not playing Anthony Richardson for the majority of last year. I think Florida would have had two or three more wins left. Well, maybe you should be happy because you got rid of Dan Mullen now. But you probably would have had two or three more wins with Anthony Richardson. I think he's that talented. I think him, along with Bryce Young at Alabama and C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, I think early – you know, this is just week one, but that are your three early favorites for the Heisman. And not only that, as someone who follows the pro game very closely, I think the three of them are going to end up being first-round picks if things continue the way we think they will because that talent is undeniable. I mean, I don't think Florida has seen a talent like that at quarterback since Tebow. Hey, that's why he wears 15. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 15 is the magic number in Gainesville. You Uh, better be really confident in your game if you're wearing 15. I'm surprised they didn't. I'm surprised Florida never retired that. Does Florida have any retired numbers? I'm not totally sure. I'm pretty sure there's a couple. Uh, yeah. They're all hanging up there in the swamp. They're somewhere. They're somewhere. Yeah. They're uh, all hanging any, up in the swamp. Anything else you want to touch on before we move on from this one? Yeah. Things of note. Um, if you're a Florida fan, O-line. O-line didn't look great. Uh, I was getting flashes of Florida State last year, watching <laughs> the quarterback scramble constantly, uh, not getting nearly enough protection and coverage for him to make the right throws, which – if you give Anthony Richardson time to throw, he has a laser for an arm, and he can hit these guys on the spot. So that's one piece. Defense, obviously, I touched on earlier. We really need to change our our, uh, our collective approach as a defense. That was not a good showing. They made the plays when they needed to. Goal line stand, that was huge. Big credit to them. But overall, not a great performance. The other upside, running back room looked great. We ran fantastically. Uh, Big surprise, true freshman, Trevor Etienne. Loved seeing him play. That was a great performance by him out the gate. I am very excited for his tenure at Florida. And that's that's younger brother of uh, Clemson star Travis Etienne, correct? Yes, now former running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That was – yeah, I mean, great, great week one. I I hate to see it as a Florida State fan, but I appreciate – I would love if all three Florida schools can get back to being good. And and this is a good start. This is a great start uh, for the state of Florida here in college football. And while we're on it, let's just keep piling on the Pac-12. Okay, let's just keep it going. Oregon versus Georgia. This looked like Division One versus Division Two. Walk me through your thoughts on how, how overmatched – Oregon look against the uh, reigning national champs. 
that was a, a case of big brother versus little brother. And he, they got whooped all night long, all night long. Single touchdown. Sorry. Thought was so much of the draft. They just reloaded. They just reloaded and they made their presence known. They beat up on Oregon all night long. They have studs at every single position, especially the secondary. And they're fantastic. It also helped that, you know, I was thinking in the problem for Bo Nix, you know, he was really talented and had some flashes of success at Auburn. I'm thinking the problem is just Bo Nix. He did not look good. He has what I'll call the Felipe Frank syndrome. It can't make his reads at all. He eyes guys down. That's why he had a couple picks, um, you know, early on. If you had any idea what a 12 playoff looked like, there you go. That's versus 11 matchup. That was an absolute whooping. So uh, I'm going to – I'm gonna... Couple things to note here, uh, and this is kind of a critique on the way Pac-12 plays football. Because if you've noticed, the the style of football is different from conference to conference. Um, the ACC, as average as it is, actually produces a lot of good quarterbacks. Uh, the SEC, obviously, I think is the best competition overall. Big Ten, you get a lot more big boy football, and then in the Pac-12 and the Big Twelve, you get a lot of this seven-on-seven style football. There's not a lot of big bodies on the lines. And there's not really defense played. And so if you look at this stat here from Georgia Georgia and Oregon here, Georgia Georgia scored on their first seven possessions. Um, touchdowns, I should say. They scored t- touchdowns on their first seven possessions. And I believe, if I'm looking at this correctly, every single Georgia touchdown drive was of 56 or more yards. So this kind of goes to show you how weak that pa- – like if, if Oregon is one of your best programs – and that's their defense, that shows you the style of football and how there is such a gap between the talent in the SEC and the Big Ten versus teams in the Big 12 and the Pac-12 with their style of football. I mean, it's not fun to watch. I've never been a big fan of it. And coming back around with your college football playoff, uh, talking about how this is kind of how it would look, I think something that will counter that a little bit is this conference realignment. Because with this conference realignment, Teams like Oregon, when they eventually jump ship, it sounds like, to the Big Ten, they will have to account for defense, or else this will be the this will be the outcome on a weekly basis. So I think you'll see teams kind kind of come around to a more well rounded style of football uh, that'll kind of counter that, and maybe balance out the uh, the gaps between these programs. But my goodness, I, I didn't catch this whole game, so and I know you were kind of giving me some updates going on. But Stetson Bennett looked pretty good. He looked he looked great. I mean, he made the right throws. He was consistent. It could just be that Oregon's defense is that bad, but he made the right throws and they looked they looked crisp. He looked very very crisp. And that's exactly what you need from Stetson Bennett when you have this much talent around you. No one's asking him to be Superman. No one's asking him to carry this football team. Just take care of the football and get the ball into the hands of these studs that Georgia with the transfer portal and the way they recruit, they are able to reload. There's no rebuilding in Athens. They are reloading. And I think that Kirby smart has built a program there that is on par. I think with Alabama moving forward, Uh, it's, it's scary. And and that uh, you as a Florida fan, I know you have, you're not a big Georgia guy, obviously, 
that'll be fun to watch. That'll be a good litmus test when we get down to that game to see how they play against their rivals from Georgia. Uh, that is such a good program that Kirby Smart has put together there. And I don't think I – think, I think those two programs are headed shoulders above the others. Um, and that's kind of, kind of where I wanted to go to next. Before I do, is there anything else you want to touch on here in this matchup? Not much. Just that we could definitely see Georgia repeat this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if there's anything else we learned, it's that USC made the right decision by jumping ship from the Pac-12. Because I think this conference is toast. I think they're done. Uh, terrible style of football, and it really got it really it really was shown on on Saturday against just a whole nother level that they will never reach in that conference with that style of play. Um, while we're at it, the other team that I think a lot of people have in that conversation with Georgia and with Alabama is Ohio State, and that Ohio State and Notre Dame game. I was shocked. I, I think of these five games, that was the one that surprised me the most. Of the five games we previewed going into week one, I did not expect Notre Dame in week one with Marcus Freeman at head coach to look this competitive in in Columbus. What do you take away from that one? I want to openly apologize to the Notre Dame football program and saying that they would get thrashed. Uh, history has shown me that that was the truth. Um, so you can't discredit me for making that claim. I want to give them a huge props for being able to be so competitive in that game. I, their defense looked really good. Their offense was able to make some things happen, but kind of got stuck there a little bit towards the uh, second half of the game. Um, and, you know, got, got worn out a little bit by Ohio state. Ohio state definitely was the better team, but it was not a, 42 nothing kind of showing as I was expecting. So they looked much, much better. They, somebody must have told them, hey, you're the laughing stock of a ranked team every single year. No one ever thinks you should be ranked that high. And realize, oh, we should probably compete and be operating at a competitive level. I was impressed. That was, yeah, that was incredible. Notre Dame definitely proved that they belong as the number five team going into that game. Uh, they looked every bit of it. And I know a lot of people focus on the score and they think, oh, well, they're not that good because they score a lot. Well, they held that Ohio State team to 21 points. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty darn good. Defense is just as much important as offense when it comes to winning football games and how it affects the game overall. And Notre Dame did a great job against C.J. Stroud, who I had as my favorite quarterback, my favorite for the Heisman going into this season. I, I think he's an incredible talent. And Notre Dame was able to kind of keep him at bay for most of the night. This was the biggest surprise for me. I didn't catch much of this game either as well because I was traveling. But when I got a look at the scoreboard and then I was able to catch a few minutes here and there, I was just – I had to look twice to make sure my eyes were seeing it correctly with Notre Dame having that uh, – was it a 10-7 lead for a good majority of this game? Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, I don't know about your, your C.J. Stroud take anymore. He didn't look Heisman, Heisman caliber. He no. was able to beat – a competitive team, but that was not Heisman performance by the slightest. No. Anthony Richardson, you can safely say that that uh, Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson had a much better start to the season. Uh, but that was a heck of a game. And now we're going to have to look at it because I know a lot of people are going to talk about it. 
I'm going to ask you this because we, we kind of gave Notre Dame a lot of praise there. Was this more a product of Notre Dame being better than we thought? Or is Ohio State maybe not as good as we were expecting going into this season? It could definitely be a little bit of both. Coaching changes definitely come with uh, personnel changes and culture changes. We could just see be, see a, a culture change in Notre Dame. That could be the out, the outcome of what that first game was. On the flip side, you're right. This could be a lesser Ohio State team. And maybe we're not giving Ohio State being worse enough credit. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how they perform this year. Uh, you know, the Big Ten isn't really that deep, but there's some good teams in that conference there with Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that kind of plays out. But really fun game between two historic programs. Um, I like seeing Notre Dame play the Big Ten. I think they belong in the Big Ten. I hope that they eventually join the Big Ten during all this conference realignment. But that was fun to watch. I hope we get more matchups like that. And what a start for Marcus Freeman. Right there with Billy Napier, those two, you really couldn't ask for much more. Other than a win, in Notre Dame's case, that's really two great performances for first-year head coaches uh, with these programs. So I think there's a lot to like going forward if you're Notre Dame and what you saw from that program in week one. They looked disciplined. They looked like they were prepared. And you know that Marcus Freeman is going to be able to recruit. I, I think there's going to be an influx of talent in that program over the next year or two especially when you see that kind of performance in week one against what many people thought is a championship contender. Um, and so as we do that, let's roll over to maybe the least notable of the five games we previewed, but still a good one. Uh, and that is uh, Cincinnati who made the playoffs last year, going to Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks and Arkansas, obviously beating them uh, 31 to 24. What's your takeaway here with another SEC team pulling out a win against a ranked opponent? It was a win, but it was not a strong win. Uh, KJ Jefferson did not have a good showing at all and could be credit to Cincinnati, made him look bad, but I, it was funny. At one point, Brian, they weren't even talking about football when they were discussing KJ Jefferson. They were talking about how he gets manicures every single week. That's how the game was going. Really? Uh, that is how the game was going. They had they spent a good five minutes talking about how he gets manicures and a clear coat and yada, yada, and so forth. That was not a good win by Arkansas by any stretch. They, they ran the ball well. They made the passes when they needed to. But KG Jefferson looked bad. He made bad throws. He coughed the ball up. It could also be due to some – uh, changes in the line. This was a first start for their center. Cincinnati really didn't have much going for them other than the run game. They were running pretty well. Uh, Arkansas's defense held up okay enough. This will not be a leap year for uh, Arkansas. This will be a an, an average year for them. They will have an okay season based on that showing. I think, I think you're right. I, I don't think Arkansas is going to take the leap. I think I think Florida's going to look more improved than they were last year. That's going to be added competition to the SEC. I think Texas A&M is going to look like a championship contender. There's going to be just too many teams. It's just too much competition. I, I don't see Arkansas taking a leap. I see them at the end of the year somewhere in that top 25 bubble. 
right there in the back end of that top 25. Um, you're right, K.J. Jefferson wasn't a great performance. He had 223 yards passing and three touchdowns. Um, I think on the other end, Cincinnati, I'm intrigued to see how they respond. Luke Fickle, who had job offers to leave Cincinnati and go elsewhere, he decided to stay there. He decided he wanted to build up that program and see where it can go. Uh, I'm skeptical. Uh, Cincinnati will be joining the Big 12 here, I believe, in 2024. So they will be joining the quote-unquote Power 5 as it is currently constructed. But I think that may have been a mistake because I don't know what the longevity of success is with that Cincinnati program. Brian Kelly, we were just talking about Notre Dame. He started out at Cincinnati, and that's what got him the Notre Dame job. But that's kind of the understanding that Cincinnati is a stepping stone. I applaud Luke Fickle for thinking that he can turn this into a uh, destination job, but I just don't see it. I, I, I see there being some step back here. Um, Ritter's gone. They've lost a lot of talent. Sauce Gardner was the best cornerback in college football last year. He's not there anymore. And I just don't see that being a recruiting hot ground where you can just plug and play recruits and transfers like Georgia can. So I think this Cincinnati team, evidenced by their ranking going into the season, I think the expectations should be a lot lower. I don't think this is a team that's going to be competing uh, for a playoff spot at all. Uh, definitely not anymore with the uh, loss in week one. So I think Arkansas was able to escape against a team that's probably not as good as we expected them to be. And I'm not optimistic about them making that jump, like you said. Uh, K.J. Jefferson was a little disappointing. I wanted to see more from him. But overall, that was uh, – I don't think that was the most fun game to watch. Uh, that was probably my least favorite of the five that we talked about. What do you think on that? Yeah, it really came down to defense. It was a defensive, you know, a def- defensive battle, really. Uh, it was, you know, who had the ball last, really. So not a lot of excitement going on there. You mentioned that KJ had three touchdowns. Unfortunately, the stats don't really give the story of how he played. If you watched that game, you saw a bad performance from KJ. Let's, uh, that's the five we preview. There's a couple other fun games we wanted to touch on here. Kind of the theme of the week was big teams avoiding upset. Um, one of them is North Carolina. A lot of people are high on North Carolina and Mac Brown. Some people had them competing for the ACC championship and making, maybe making a playoff run. I didn't see that coming in, and I think that was evident here by squeaking out a 63-61 to 61 win against Appalachian State, who are, I mean, they're, they're the giant killers. If we recall, Appalachian State, famous for that uh, blocked field goal against Michigan in the big house back in 2007. They, they've been known to take down some big teams, but to give up 61 points to Appalachian State, what do you think on that one? I, that's incredible, and that's not what you can do if you want to compete in in, in the Power Five, no, it is not UNC's year, it, and even as as hyped as you can be for their upcoming recruiting class, that was not the showing you want uh, as far as where you think this team will go in the future. It's not their year; they're definitely overrated. Um, I don't see them inside the top thirty. Yeah. And I know a lot of UNC fans were saying that, well, we were without Josh Downs, our best receiver. Well, last I checked, your receiver isn't responsible for your team giving up 61 points. So (laughs) I don't have a lot of sympathy on that one. Uh, Another ACC team, as we continue our bashing of anyone outside the SEC or Big Ten, 
Uh, NC State squeaking by Eastern Carolina. What's your takeaway on that one to see another Power 5 program that's ranked in the top 15 squeaking by and avoiding an upset in week one? Listen, I get it. That was a rivalry game, but it's ECU. Let, let's let's base this in reality. The game should never have been close. If you are ranked number 13 in the country, that should have been a 20-point win. At least. Versus an unranked opponent. ECU yeah. made you look horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I caught a good portion of that game, and – it was tough to watch. It was fun to watch if you root for ECU, but tough to watch if you wanted to see a good performance from NC State there. Uh, as an ACC guy, I know the SEC kind of root for each other. Not me. I want the I want the ACC to collapse. I want that conference to disintegrate and float away into the abyss. It's a terrible conference for football, and I I applaud any big loss or embarrassment for that uh, for that conference and for Jim Phillips, who's the court uh, the uh, commissioner of the conference who sees no need to make any changes in the current climate while the SEC and Big Ten make twice as much as every school in their conference. So I, I enjoy seeing that. I love it. I think NC State has been way overhyped coming into the season. A lot of people were picking them to win this conference over Clemson. Uh, they're in the same division as Florida State and Clemson in the Atlantic there. And a lot of people had them over Clemson even. I thought that was nuts. I, I don't see why. They are older. They are more experienced. But there's not the talent level there to compete with the top of the college football world. Uh, last game we want to touch on was maybe one of the most fun games. Uh, you know me, I like that FSU-LSU game, but this might have been the best finish. And this is uh, the backyard brawl there with Pitt and West Virginia and Pitt squeaking out a 38-31 win. What's your takes on this one and what was a great, great start to the college football season on Thursday night? West Virginia had that game. They had that game and they blew it. They had that game and they blew it. Uh, super exciting to watch. I was that was my first taste of this week to watch that game. Um, God, I missed college football. This was a great way to start off my week of college football. Uh, so fun to watch. Disappointing for West Virginia. We'll see how the rest of the year goes. I don't think any ACC team deserves to be ranked in the twenty-five based on what I'm watching. <laughs> I agree. Less, less Clemson, less Clemson, but we we'll, haven't seen them play yet. We'll see that tonight, Monday night against Georgia Tech. Um, I thought, by the way, what do you think? Was that a catch there on West Virginia at the goal line? Did you think that was a catch? No, that definitely hit the ground. Uh, I was rooting for West Virginia. It definitely hit the ground, but I was rooting for West Virginia. I thought that was a blast. Um, and now we get to see another ACC team tonight as we kind of preview that one for a moment. It's uh, Clemson against Georgia Tech. Another dumb, dumb neutral site game. Georgia Tech. Jason, tell me where Georgia Tech is located. That beats me. I don't follow them. They're, yeah, they're completely irrelevant. They're completely they're, irrelevant to me. Fair enough. I, I have to because, unfortunately, I follow a terrible conference. They're in, the, uh, they're in Atlanta. They're located right outside downtown Atlanta. Uh, do you know where they're playing tonight? Beats me. Where? In the uh, in, in the Mercedes Benz uh, Superdome or whatever the Superdome is in Atlanta, where the Falcons yeah, play. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why just play just play at your school? Why does it have to go to a neutral site game in the same city? I hate it. That's Again, my complaint. You're gonna get a weekly complaint from me on that one. But I, uh, I, this is another one that I get. It's a rivalry, but this won't be competitive. This will be realistically a forty point spread. 
uh, Clemson should win this game handedly. I'm interested to see Ugalele. You, how do you pronounce Ugalele? Is that right? DJ. I'm going to call him DJ. I'm, I'm excited to see how he performs for quarterback at Clemson. A lot of scrutiny coming into the season. Listen, he was a five-star recruit, but it's clear he's not Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. I think Clemson's going to need him to step up this year if they want to compete for a college football playoff. I, I've said it many times. I don't see anyone in the ACC making the playoff this year. I think Clemson takes a step back. I think this is going to be a big, big litmus test for him. If Clemson can go in in week one, look prepared, and take care of business against an inferior opponent, something that their ACC counterparts were not able to do against even lesser competition. So this will be an interesting one to watch for. I'm excited. It's so nice to have college football back. We'll be at it again later this week here to preview week two as we got some more great games to look forward to. Once again, don't forget to follow us here at Chop Shop Sports and Chop Shop Bets on Instagram, Chop Shop Sports on TikTok, and also on Chop Shop Sports 1 on Twitter.